2: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com/slash host. The Daily Face Off Podcast. Comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Seagan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Bebes Bondi.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to season eight, episode 37 of the TFO Fantasy Podcast. The last episode of the season during the fantasy hockey season. We will keep coming at you with a couple episodes here as the season winds down. Do some fantasy playoff stuff as well. So uh, the last regular season fantasy hockey episode of season
3: eight. It has gone by incredibly quickly, D. Yeah, uh, it's it's kind of disappeared on us. Uh, I think that happens as we get closer to March and April, get all excited about the start of baseball season and everything else. And yeah, just, uh, just went poof like that. I, I uh, can't believe it's almost over.
1: Yeah, one of the best parts of the entire season, though, we gear up for the Stanley Cup playoffs. We've got the Masters this weekend, the weather's Mm -hmm. warming up, just baseball's underway, like just an incredible time of the year. But yes, uh, if you're still alive in the fantasy hockey playoffs, that's why you're here, that's why you're listening. So we're just going to come at you with a quick episode really just try to hammer out some fine details over uh, this weekend into next week. If you've got the two week long season uh, finale and it goes all the way till what next Friday, right? Yeah. I think there's two postponed games that are on Friday now. So it's a very bizarre schedule. We're going to go over some of the finer details and try to uh, ensure that you win a fantasy hockey championship before we do that. D so I finished first in my league of record uh, during the regular season. Made it to the semis after a bye. I lost on Sunday by Ooh. a single point. One point. One point. I couldn't believe it. Got knocked out. My uncle, of all people, knocked me out. And he was made sure to uh to text me. He said he wants a job at Daily Face Off <laughs> next year. He uh yeah, one single point knocked me out of the thing. And then the worst part is that my buddy who um, has never missed a draft in his life, missed the draft for the first time this year. And he's like, can you pick me a team? And I'm like, sure. So I just kind of took best player available from my rankings for him. Bar none, best team in the league. <laughs> Unbelievable. Absolutely destroyed in the semis. He's just running away with it in the finals. I was like, wow, I drafted you a much better team uh, than I drafted myself. So hopefully I get a little kickback on that. Cause yeah, like I finished first overall record, but he like points wise was just, unbelievable had a bit of a tougher schedule but yeah uh so i drafted two really good teams just i drafted the wrong one for myself are you still kicking in your uh, finals
3: sure sure yeah i'm in both still made it past the semis after a, a pair of tight matchups so uh yeah got a bit of a battle i'm in a good spot in the points league and then the other league's categories down 9-1 right now but uh, everything's kind of within you know two or three goals points assists uh, so it's all within reason still heading into next week. I'd le- like to be in a slightly better spot, but uh, we certainly still have a chance. He's got a loaded team though, man. He's got uh, McDavid, which obviously helps, but Pasternak, uh, Kyle Connor, Tage Thompson, uh, Elias Pettersson. So he he cleaned up with a lot of his uh, draft picks, uh, especially early on and-, and definitely hit on them. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough battle all the way through. His goalies are supposed to be his weakness, but he got a couple of really good starts from, uh, ranta and binnington of all things so uh, we'll see we'll see how it plays out in the next uh, uh, half week or so but feeling good about the points league looking to go two for three and then potentially three for three everyone knows i've been tanking in the dynasty league and just really hoping that uh, those 30 percent lottery odds at getting bedard come through so we'll, we'll see how that plays out yeah
1: we might have to live stream that one we've been talking <laughs> about it so much we'll have to live stream the lottery for you maybe your league can bring me in i'll host a whole lo- live show for it um all right So let's get into it. This weekend, um, well, this episode, normally we do D streamers, but it's going to be B and D streamers today. We're going to go over everything we can. If you take a look, obviously, we are recording this on Friday. There are zero games today in the NHL. Uh, I would imagine this is kind of just the NHL's way of giving uh, their players the day off to spend the weekend with their family uh, for the Easter weekend. Um, So as opposed to getting Easter, we got Good Friday off. So a nice little reprieve for somebody like me who has to write about the NHL every day. Uh, I'm enjoying some time with the family, but let's get through it here. Because after this, 16 games tomorrow, every single team in the NHL is in action tomorrow. And obviously, all your players are going to be playing. So we can't focus on Saturday at all. Everyone's got everybody going. Uh, So we have to turn our attention to Sunday. So if your league wraps up on Sunday, there are only two games that day, and it could really come down to a a pair of really lopsided matchups. You've got the Ducks and the Avs, the Bruins and the Flyers. So if your matchup comes down to the wire there, there, there's potential for some fireworks on Sunday. If it goes into next week, we'll get into that here in a minute. But let's focus on this weekend's goalie. So as I mentioned, you've got the Ducks uh, at home against the Avalanche. And then the Flyers at home against the Bruins. So we'll start in alphabetical order here. The Ducks. John Gibson missed their last game with an illness. He also appeared to tweak a little bit of a lower body injury in his previous outing. But they're calling his absence from the lineup the other day due to illness, not injury. So we imagine he could be back for this weekend. How the Ducks plan to handle the situation is anybody's guess. Um I mean, if you know, looking at it, I you know, I think that there's a pretty good chance like they don't really give a shit, right? Like they don't care, they're not really playing the matchups at this point. So it's anybody's guess how this shakes out. And realistically, this would be the worst start of the of the four, in yeah. my opinion. Um, so yeah. if it's if, let's just say they go Gibson, Dostal, Dostal is obviously going to be widely available at four percent owned, Gibson's still widely available, but regardless, against the ABS, um, really not the matchup you're looking for, where the Flyers are likely the team that you could look to stream a little bit, you know, if you're taking an underdog here. I think I'd rather take the Flyers against the Bruins, just because the Bruins seem to be resting players. Who knows how many players they're even going to have in the lineup on Sunday. So, to me, if I had to pick between these two underdogs, I would lean towards maybe a Felix Sandstrom of the Flyers, as opposed to Lucas Dostal from the Ducks.
3: Yeah, totally agree. Um, Like you said, you just expect Colorado to have, uh, you know, all their firepower in the lineup and and ready to go on Sunday. They still have uh, a little bit left to play for here. The Bruins obviously do not. And, you know, they've gotten into this practice even just a couple of weeks ago. So this is, you know, definitely something that we'll talk about it more as we go into next week. But it's going to be a real factor, right? As uh, playoff scenarios kind of get locked up, especially in the East, there's not a whole lot of moving around that can happen at this point. Um, so you're going to see a lot of guys getting rested. I don't think anyone's going to get rested for the whole week. I don't think, you know, that's uh, uh, certainly goes against conventional wisdom. You don't want a guy just, you know, being completely, you uh, uh, fresh off a, a week's absence headed into the playoffs. But yeah, I do expect guys to get uh, a game off here or there as the season winds down next week. And certainly, yeah, expect that to happen uh, with Boston this weekend, just given the fact that they're playing back to back, I would think Bergeron for sure out Marsha uh as well. Um, they could potentially rest them on Saturday. They could rest both. Who knows, right? They might just say, screw it. And we'll give them yeah. a couple of game, give them the weekend off and then give them a couple games next week to kind of uh, get reacclimated before the playoffs. So, yeah, I, I think there's going to be a lot of changes in Boston's lineup. And I, I think that kind of um, would would really work out well for Sancho, especially in points leagues, because I would still expect, even if it's Boston, a lesser Bruins lineup, for them to kind of um, really control possession and and really control uh, the shot battle. And at that point, you know, you don't have that elite finishing. Maybe Fastenek's in, maybe he's not. You know, he's kind of chasing his own uh, personal milestone. Is he at 60 yet? He's real close, right? So, yeah. Um, I know that's going to be a factor as well. Yeah, he's at 57, so he's probably not going to want uh, or not be as willing to kind of take a breather here as the other two. So he might still be in, which is obviously a little bit frightening. He's the one you're really worried about. Um, kind of David Krejci's
1: already yep. been out as well, too. So he sat out there last game. He's somebody that could sit. McAvoy got a little bit nicked up yesterday. They said he's fine, but I would imagine even if he's got, you know, at 95%, he probably sits out. I mean, the, the, long, the list could be very long uh, come Sunday. And just to give you an idea too, right? D like, as you're saying, uh, the abs have a little bit more to play up, play for. You've got the Bruins sitting here, locked up the president's trophy already. The abs currently tied at hundred points with the Dallas stars for first in the central. So they're obviously going to be looking to lock up that central, um, finish first, get the Winnipeg jets or get the Seattle Kraken as opposed to maybe playing, uh, the Minnesota wild who could get Kuro Kaprizov back. So there's still quite a bit more for them to play for than the Bruins. So, um, yeah, who knows? The Bruins, honestly, like, they could have four, five, six guys sitting out by Sunday, especially with the back-to-back.
3: Yeah, and my, like my thing is too, right, especially in points leagues, I, I think that'd be a really nice spot for Sanchum because, yeah, it would still be a tough matchup, but you'd have to imagine like he'd still probably face around 30 shots minimum, mm-hmm. right, even if, if it's a, a Bruins B team in there. So, uh, yeah, I think he's definitely the better option because you know, as you said, the Avalanche still have a lot to play for. They're going to be looking to pick up those two easy points on Sunday in Anaheim uh, and all their big guns should be in there. So, yeah, totally. Uh, different scenario uh, in the Western Conference right now. So I would agree that um, if you are desperate and, uh, you know, the likes of obviously Jeremy Swayman not going to be there for the back-to-back for the Bruins, um, and potentially, obviously, the Avalanche goaltenders could be there as well. But otherwise, uh, I think Sandstrom or whoever ends up getting the nod for Philly would be a decent option there.
1: The other thing you could do if maybe maybe you've already – you're in a categories league and you've already scrapped the, uh, the the goals against average and save percentage, and you're just looking for a win. You could realistically, if you have the moves available, pick up Jonas Johansson, who could get the start on Sunday for the avalanche and Sandstrom and just kind of locked or sorry, and uh, Dostal yeah. and lock down the win. Um, depends on kind of your situation, but it also looks like Pavel Francouz is close. They talked yesterday. They said Pavel Francouz is the closest of all of their injured players to returning to the lineup. They said they're going to have to see how he reacts over the next couple of days. That let, leads me to believe he's probably not going to be available on Sunday, which means it's going to be Jonas Johansson. And he probably, for all the jokes and everything, he's played pretty well. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, there's he's been a guy that 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 has really struggled in the NHL throughout his career, but this year he's played pretty well. It's obviously a very good Avalanche team in front of him. He's just three percent, and he would probably be the best spot start on Sunday at three percent if he gets the nod. But the problem is, it could be. Fransos. I, again, I imagine they're going to play it pretty safe, right? They're going to want Francos to probably get into a game before the end of the season, just to make mm-hmm. sure he's ready for the playoffs, but they're also not going to rush him back. They're going to make sure that he's healthy to be able to back up um Jor-Gib in the playoffs. You look ahead to next week, they've got three games next week, including a back-to-back on the uh for, uh thursday friday so you'd imagine he'll start against either the jets or the predators next week if he's healthy to try to get him ready so i i i do think we're gonna see jonas Johansson. so you've got Johansson at three percent owned, Dostal stall at four percent on and sandstrom at two percent owned. potentially going to start on sunday they could go Sandstrom on Saturday, Hard on Sunday, which Hart's much less uh, readily available. I think he's about 67% owned. So there's a chance he's still available. You'd feel even better about starting the Flyers goalie if it ends up being Hard on Sunday yeah. uh, than Sandstrom. But again, we don't know. We don't have the crystal ball. We don't know exactly how it's going to shake out. But um, if you had to pick Colorado's starter, Philly's starter, Anaheim starter in that order.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: And then obviously Boston's goalie is pretty much out of reach. Swayman, the lesser of the two, at 83% owned. So chances are um, he's not going to be available for you. No,
3: not with that season he's had. Even in uh, my one team's and eight-team league, and yeah, he's not even available there. So don't really think you'll uh, have any chance of finding him in any sort of competitive league.
1: No, definitely not down the stretch here, especially considering in his last, I believe, six starts, he is 6-0, and and he's only given up nine goals. 9.52 save percentage, two shutouts. He has been dynamite. Um, really kind of just overshadowed by Linus Allmark is how good of a season Jeremy Swayman has had so far. Um, and again, I, I do think that a lot of that just speaks to just how good that Boston Bruins team is. Okay, let's shift our focus to the skaters now because there's plenty more options there than there are between the pipes. So again, same four teams. You've got the Ducks, the Bruins, the Avalanche, and the Flyers. We're going to go through them team by team and in order of ownership percentage, and then we'll pick our favorite from each squad. The first, we'll start with the Ducks. Mason McTavish at 16% owned. Uh, He comes in 10 points, 3 goals, 7 assists, 34 shots on goal, which is 1.9 shots per game. Averaging 1547 over his last 18. The guy that I prefer from the Ducks is Frank Vitrano at 8%, uh, at, sorry, 12% owned. He has 8 points, 5 goals, 3 assists, 34 shots on goal, averaging 2.8 shots per game over 1633 in his last 12 games. He's been on a bit of a run. He's actually had quite a nice season. Um, maybe a little bit of a lull kind of in the middle of the year, but he's finishing pretty strong. Vitrano, always a guy that we've liked to, thank to uh, thanks to his shot volume. Those 2.8 shots per game is obviously interesting. And then Adam Henrique would be the last one worth mentioning at 5% on. returns to the lineup on Wednesday. He picked up an assist in 1504. Uh, kind of depends on what kind of league you're in. You know, if you're just looking for an apple, Henrique might be your guy. If you're in a points league where you just need some, you know, a steady floor, I think Toronto is definitely the option thanks to that shot volume.
3: Yeah, um, I, I think they're all decent. It's just obviously the matchup isn't ideal. You feel a lot better about it if it is Johansson in there. Um, but yeah, there's probably, you know, given the fact that the Ducks have a hard time managing more than 20 shots a game, there's probably only about two goals up for grabs here for these three skaters to try to get a piece of. Um, so yeah, at that point, I'm probably just looking at usage. So I might actually lean Henrik first. Um, it's, it's hard to tell, right? Like, are they really just going to ramp them back up to full usage with half a week left to go? Or is he kind of going to settle into what he played last game against the Oilers 15 minutes? You know, before he got injured, he was up close at around 17, 18 minutes more consistently, sometimes even top in 20 minutes. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of tricky to know exactly who's going to get the big minutes. Um, but again, just kind of following that same kind of uh, wavelength or that same line of thinking, I, I would lean McTavish over for Toronto, too, just because I think he's going to get a little bit more run out there. Um, but you know I'm a big McTavish guy too I've kind of leaned that way the full season Um, he's been ice cold of late but I think that's just kind of the nature of uh, playing on the second line in Anaheim there's just not a whole lot left to go around there right now and like I said the team uh, in general just has a hard time driving the puck towards the right end of the ice so not a whole lot of shots up for grabs so yeah like you know there's some decent players there there's some good talent but at, at the end of the day like I said they're probably only gonna get off 20 shots in this matchup so Really got to temper your expectations, and because of that, I probably look at one of the other three teams. But uh, I do think they're all viable options if you're a little late getting into the wire.
1: Yeah, I, I would definitely agree that the Ducks are fourth in the pecking order in terms of the teams that I am targeting on Sunday. I think the Bruins are number one uh, strictly because we talked about how many players they could rest, and then yeah. these guys that are available on the wire could be in for absolutely massive roles come sunday the first being pavel zaka we've seen him move up the lineup when they've sat players he's got 10 points two goals eight assists in his last 14 games he's averaged 1.6 shots per game 16 22 time on ice david krejci we mentioned he missed their last game so keep an eye on his status i'd imagine he sits out too if he's yeah. not 100 he's a veteran a guy that they're not going to play if he's hurt but if he's in the lineup he's been playing quite well as well uh 13 points in his last 20 games four goals nine assists Tyler Bertuzzi is probably the one that I'm most intrigued by because I really think he could play a huge role, especially if Marshawn, uh, sits Bertuzzi could be a top line guy, you know, up there, it could look something like Bertuzzi Zaka and Pasternak on the top line come Sunday. He's picked up eight points, three goals, five assists in his last 13 games with the Bruins. He's averaging 2.5 shots on goal two. So the shot volume is solid. And if that ends up being their top line, that's a line that I'm definitely intrigued by. I think one other name we could throw out there is Charlie Coyle. If, um, Bergeron sits. You're obviously going to look at Coyle to be playing in a top uh, six capacity. He's 11% owned right now, coming off a goal and an assist in 21 minutes over the Maple Leafs last night. So plenty of options in Boston. And again, it just kind of all matters who sits. Uh, These are the type of guys that I would imagine play outside of Krejci. I think Zach and Bertuzzi are most likely going to be in the line.
3: Yeah, I wouldn't go after Krejci just because, like, you don't want to waste the pickup here, obviously, right? Yep. If you're limited to four or five a week or whatever it is, there's a good chance that you only have the one or two left for Sunday. Um, and unfortunately, with it being a back-to-back, like, we probably won't get lineup news until, what, two hours before puck drop when uh, coach meets with the media. So. Yeah, at best. Yeah, so, and again, might not come until warmups, which you probably can't afford to wait that long. So we're going to have to make an educated guess on who's the most likely to sit. So, yeah, I would agree that Krejci, there's just too much danger here. Even if he's healthy, like there's still a really, I, I would still expect him to sit one of these two games this week. Yeah, Even, even if he's fully healthy, not even considering the fact that he had an injury last week, but the fact that he's like 38 years old. And like I said, there's no need for them to be playing five games and whatever it is the next, uh, or I think it's four in a week for them. Uh, closing out the season uh, after their game last night against the Leafs. So just no, no need at all for that. Um, So yeah, I I would expect him to sit at least one of those two games. If he sits Saturday, you're probably feeling a little bit better about it, but again, it could be injury related at that point. Right. So it could sit out both games for sure. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and then, yeah, Zach or Batuzzi, you expect them both to be in there. I think Zach is probably a little bit safer if I had... You know what I mean? Like, I'd, I'd be more surprised at them sh- uh, scratching Zach. Or just simply just the way you pointed out. Like, Bergeron's definitely sitting, so they need someone playing down the middle. Um, and I think it's, it's probably... Uh, they're probably more concerned about giving Zaka that type of audition in case there's a Bergeron injury in the playoffs, something like that, as a worried about what Bertuzzi would do if he got moved up, right? That That's just the way I'm thinking. So uh, I would agree that upside-wise, Bertuzzi probably has more, but I just think there's maybe a slightly higher chance that he also gets rested on Sunday where it's, it's hard to imagine that happening with Zaka simply because, you know, Bergeron's going to be out.
1: And Bertuzzi definitely not a guy that has uh, been fully healthy this season too, right? Exactly. They might just be trying to protect him from himself more than anything. Yup. Um, but yeah, both options pretty solid this weekend, especially if they end up playing in a top line role with David Pasternak. Okay. Let's take a look at the Colorado Avalanche, a guy we've talked about a ton uh his time on ice i wish he could do more with it because his time on ice is just absolutely insane jt Comfort, highest owned player we're going to talk about here uh playing this weekend at 43 percent owned, eight points in his last 13 games isn't terrible three goals five assists 22 shots on goal though which is just 1.7 per game which is definitely leaving you wanting more when you factor in this man is playing close to 21 minutes a night but he's still on that second line currently skating alongside Valerie Nichushkin and I think Alex Newhook, or no, Dennis Morgan, excuse me, Um, but still in the top power play unit, which is a real factor here, something that you definitely want to consider when you're targeting. So from a usage perspective, nobody better than JT Confer, but also 43% owned. Evan Rodriguez at 16% owned, much more widely available, not on the top power play unit, but he is on the top line with Miko Ranton and Nathan McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon and Miko Ranton are absolutely on fire right now. So trying to get... Um, some exposure to them is certainly a good idea at the moment. And then Sam Gerard is a guy that we keep floating around the idea of scooping him up as a streamer because he's played well. He's only 25% owned. He's got 12 points in his last 19 games. He plays over 21 and a half minutes per game. Shot volume solid. If you're in a league that counts block shots or hits, he h- helps chip in there. And Kale McCart just in and out of the lineup, more out than in recently. I would imagine again, like they don't have. Or they do have something to play for, but not enough to risk McCarr's availability in the playoffs. So I don't imagine we're going to see him a lot down the stretch. Maybe get him into a game next week just to try to, like you said, reacclimate him back into the lineup. But I imagine Gerard's going to continue to play a sizable role here in the next week and a half.
3: Yeah, really hard to imagine McCarr playing both ends of the back to back this weekend, right? So um again one to monitor because who knows they could look to get him into the lineup on sunday sit him on saturday and obviously that would uh hurt gerard's upside significantly but i it just depends what you're looking for but i do kind of think i would lean gerard over rodriguez um simply because like rodriguez the it's obviously fantastic getting that exposure at 5v5 with uh, mckinnon and rantanen but he's still only playing about 15 minutes a night uh, and not getting a whole lot of shot opportunities off right now because the two of them are playing so well firing the puck about five six times a game um so yeah it seems like his best bet to getting um to getting on the score sheet right now is a secondary assist or maybe a rebound or, or loose puck in front so certainly if you're looking for goals rodriguez more likely to help you out there but i think if you're just chasing hard points as we saw last night like i gerard simply because he's playing more um like seven eight more minutes a night than uh Rodriguez just is a lot more likely to pick up those secondary assists right now on the backs of McKinnon and Rantanen because Gerard, I mean you could talk about obviously Rodriguez on their line at 5v5 but Gerard getting a whole lot of run with the two of them at 5v5 right now as well and he cashed in with a couple of secondary apples last night so I think that's the way I would lean but again I'm big JT Confer guy give me the minutes give me the guy who plays up front and on the power play with him if he is available but like you said he's up around 40 percent uh, so maybe not there. So, yeah, I would go comfort Gerard Rodriguez personally. But, again, I think they're all good options on Sunday.
1: Yeah, just to further your point, last night uh, at 5v5, Sam Gerard spent 15 minutes with the McKinnon and in line, uh, pairing Taves and uh, Gerard almost exclusively uh, with the McKinnon line at 5v5. So he's going to see plenty of exposure to them. Uh, then also, obviously, some exposure to the other lines in his remaining Yeah. Seven
3: minutes on a little bit of power play time as well. Obviously, Taves is the top option right now, but Mm -hmm. even just watching the game last night, you do see where Gerard's still getting a bit of time with the top unit as well, just kind of the way it works out and uh, line changes and such, and uh, leading into the units. But yeah, they're just not afraid to put Gerard out there with the top unit either.
1: And they obviously still have a second unit that's got a decent amount of firepower as well. So if that first unit doesn't get it done, Gerard, definitely a guy to go look at on the second unit. Okay, the final team is the Philadelphia Flyers. Owen Tippett, 29%, 13 points in his last 20 games. What really sticks out, what we've been talking about all season long, is the incredible shot volume. 80 shots in those 20 games. That's a 4.0 shot per game average while playing almost 21 minutes a night. Absolutely love it. I was on uh, the Puck Pooleys podcast with Matt Larkin and Stephen Ellis the other day, and I talked about Tippett being kind of the go-to guy that could potentially save your season here down the stretch with the amount of games that the Flyers have uh, this weekend. And, um, and just his shot volume is just absolutely incredible. But there are other options in Philadelphia as well. Morgan Frost, probably the most interesting of the group outside of Owen Tippett. 14 points in his last 15 games, 8 goals, 6 assists. Over two shots per game while playing seventeen forty, kind of taking over the early season Kevin Hayes role. Kevin Hayes still there at twenty one yep. percent own, playing much much less than he was earlier in the season. We were all aboard the Kevin Hayes train when he was playing twenty minutes a night, but then for whatever reason, he seems to be closer to fifteen minutes for the last you know second half of the season here. Just five points in his last eleven games, so I would lean Morgan Frost there. The usage is better. Um, playing on a better line as well and if you're in the deeper leagues Joel Faraby at five percent own guy that's played very very well as well I think his value takes a little bit of a hit with Travis me back in the lineup he's no longer on that top line with Owen Tippett uh, but still nine points in his last 11 games the the, re- the real reason to knock Joel Faraby down is the shot volume always leaves you wanting more in that category just 1.6 shots per game so I think it's pretty obvious that Owen Tippett's the go-to guy, but at 29% Owen, you might have to look closer at Morgan Frost.
3: Yeah, and I still think if it's just a one-game pickup, as great as Tippett is, as much as I love him, even if it's against the Bruins B lineup, you know it's going to still be either Swayman or Allmark in net. And like I said, you know they're still going to dominate puck possession against the Flyers team, so... I don't know. There's not a whole lot of upside there for me. Um, again, we're probably talking about two goals, uh, best case scenario that there's up for grabs here. So yes, Tippett, Very likely to be involved with that. And, and frost certainly up there as well, but, uh, I would just try to get on the better side of these matchups from a skater perspective. If you can, obviously we talked about the goaltending situation. Your options are very limited. You might have to roll the dice a little bit here. Um, but yeah, I just, you don't feel great stacking against the Bruins uh, on any given day, even, uh, you know, even though this might be the best possible scenario to do it, uh, still would look even as great as Tippett is. And yes, you know, uh, all things equal, I, I think Tippett's the best player we've talked about so far today, no doubt. Um, but yeah, I think you have to play the matchups a little bit more here and target some of those guys we talked about in Boston or Colorado, if possible, because if Tippett's available, you know, good chance that even a guy like confer is available, but Gerard should definitely be out there. Uh, and then all those Boston guys we talked about, Zaka Bertuzzi should be available as well if, if Tippett's out there. So that's the way I would lean and would certainly go down, uh, the, the Bruins lineup before I went even to Frost. I like Frost a lot. Um, and again, I think him and Tippett, we talked about this before, but if this is a line that could stay together, it would be uh, a ton of sleeper value heading into next season, I think, uh, and real breakout potential for both Frost and Tippett. especially as you consider probably Noah Kate's getting a little less time next year and Kevin Hayes as well. Um, yeah, I think, you know, this is really opening up nicely for the two of them heading into next season, but as far as Sunday is concerned, again, probably a goal and a half, two goals up for grabs here. Um, so I would look to play the better sides of the matchups for sure.
1: Yeah, Tippett and Frost definitely been solid together so far this season. The numbers don't really jump off the page, but they're certainly not bad uh, either. They're very solid uh, offensively. Defensive numbers are pretty reliable as well. So it's definitely a line I think the Flyers are going to, uh, you know, look to as, as kind of their number one line of the future and both have done a pretty good job in that audition. Um, okay, before we move on to next week, let's just throw this one at you. Let's say you're heading into Sunday. You've got two pickups and you have to pick up two guys under 30%. Who are the two you're targeting? While you think about it, I will start. And I think I would just try to stack Zaka and Bertuzzi. I think that's the best way to do it. Um, hope that they both play. I would imagine, like I said, that they will. So that would be the way that I would look at it. Um, you know, Obviously, different leagues, different guys might not be available. But if I had the pick of the litter and all these guys under 30% are available, I would be trying to stack Zaka and Bertuzzi in a prime matchup.
3: I, I agree as well. Um obviously ideally you want to wait most likely you're not going to be able to right? the other your your opposing manager is going to be looking to make moves as well uh but do your research right just check I, i'm assuming most leagues uh, do have matchup acquisition limits that's why we do streamers every weekend right but uh and yeah see if you know we're uh, already a weekend of this week and a half long matchup there's a good chance that maybe your manager's exhausted all of his ads already and if that's the case then obviously you can afford to wait Uh, And chill until we hear. Even you can wait even up until warmups, right? And just confirm that they're both in there, Zaka and Bertuzzi, just because, yeah, you'd hate to waste a pickup uh, on the last day of the season. But I would agree, I'm either stacking one of those two sides, right? If we hear that Bertuzzi's going to be out or Zaka or one of them, again, I think we both agree, probably more likely that Bertuzzi would sit. But if one of those guys are sitting or one of them aren't available, then I would look at stacking two of the Avalanche players that we talked about, perhaps Gerard and Rodriguez, you know, just because they're more likely available. Obviously, Confort would be the better play. Um, but yeah I think from that perspective too if you are going to stack two of the abs I'd go Gerard and one of the two forwards Comper if he's available if not Rodriguez simply because Comper and Rodriguez not playing together at 5v5 or on the power play so not really much of a stack there you're still kind of hoping for uh, two different outcomes whereas if you can play uh, Rodriguez and Gerard already talked about how much uh, Gerard's out there with the top line so plenty of chances for them to both pile on and, and stack up and uh, get uh, multiple points for for one goal happening, which is always you know what we're talking about here when we're looking at stacking, because goals are so rare in the NHL. Um, if you can get multiple points out of just a single outcome, always beneficial. So I would agree. Either way, I'm looking to stack this either with Zaka and Bertuzzi uh, or potentially, like I said, Gerard and one of the Avalanche forwards.
1: And maybe you don't have acquisition limits and maybe your, your season ends on Sunday and you just got to drop your entire team for all... 12 of these guys, but hopefully that's not how your league works because that would be absolute bogus. Um, Okay, let's take a look ahead to next week. So if your league ends this Sunday, you feel free to shut us off now. If you roll into next week, though, the schedule is very bizarre. It's impossible for us to really help you in this situation. Um, Taking a look at the games played, there's 10 games Monday, 10 games Tuesday, three games on Wednesday, 15 games on Thursday, and then two games on Friday. So ideally, you'd like to try to stream some guys that are going to be playing Wednesday, Friday, the two light days. The problem there is there is not a single team that plays on both of those days. So the real only way to do it, and and the good news is that the Monday, Tuesday slates are only 10 games. So chances are you are going to have some lineup flexibility. You're probably going to have an empty spot somewhere. So you should be able to just pick a guy up, use one acquisition and keep him for the week and kind of get the most out of him. So if that's the way that you have to approach it, the Buffalo Sabres stick out as the best team to target because they're the only team with four games next week. There is a host of teams with just two games. About half the league has just two games, maybe over half the league. I didn't count the exact numbers, but based on my quick math over half the league uh, with just two games, about 12 teams with three games. And then the Buffalo Sabres, the lone team with four. So that obviously sets up pretty well Four games in five nights to end the season. Isn't great, but this is also a team uh, that's still kind of fighting for their playoff lives. It seems to be getting away from them just a little bit, but the extra games next week certainly could help uh, them reel the other teams like the Islanders and the Panthers back in. So The Sabres are really the only team to look at. Obviously you can take a look at the teams that play three games and maybe have some cushier matchups. The Dallas stars stick out as one of those teams. They got the red wings and then the blues twice. Uh, That's a pretty decent setup. The hurricanes got the senators, red wings and Panthers. That's a pretty nice setup. Um, But overall, I think trying to pick up somebody that's going to be playing the extra game um, in the Buffalo Sabres is the best way to do it. So That was a very long-winded way of telling you to go pick up the Sabres. And the number, the top four guys that stick out for us are Dylan Cousins, who's at 58%. Obviously not going to be out there in a lot of leagues, but if he is, maybe he got dropped in desperation as, as a manager was trying to make a push, and he's available. He would be a great option. Nine points in his last eight games, five goals, four assists. 22 shots on goal 2.8 shots per game playing 17 minutes a night he's still on that top power play unit in buffalo i guess i should say back on that top unit in buffalo (laughs) um i guess the most interesting thing is that he has super quietly had a 30 30 season 31 goals 35 assists 66 points in 76 games we talked about him early in the season as a guy that we really liked as a potential breakout and it's really come to fruition here and the most interesting or or i guess impressive thing of it all is he's done it all on the second line like that top line has been dominant all year and he's just been able to drive his own line on that second line mostly with two young players in jack quinn and jj Paterka, and put up a 31 goal a 31 goal 35 assist season
3: yeah super impressive uh certainly a great player to watch for the future and really exciting development watching tage come back and actually playing on his wing uh, not just for the rest of this season, but potentially in the future, just knowing there's a chance that Dylan Cousins could actually be the one center on this team. And um, yeah, certainly uh, you can get pretty excited. Just thinking about the damage, maybe like a tuck Cousins Thompson line could do over uh, any elongated stretch, right. Or Skinner Cousins Thompson, either way. Um, so yeah, that's super exciting heading into next season. It certainly bodes well for Cousins production next week. I did drop him in a 10 in a team league um just earlier this week or last week i think because push was coming to shove and like you said you got to make some tough decisions so yeah good chance 10 certainly 18 or 18 leagues that cousins will be out there 12 teams probably not so much but i would agree he's a decent or a great option next week um at just obviously that line shuffling kind of hurts some of the other options that uh, we may have otherwise talked about or talked about a lot in recent weeks uh in the likes of Quinn and paterka
1: yeah. And if you look at the way their lineup shuffled, if you aren't aware, so Tage Thompson was a game time decision yesterday, ended up playing, um, and they moved the lineup around. So the top line was Jeff Skinner, Middlestad, and Alex Tuck. They moved Tage Thompson to the wing with Dylan Cousins and Jordan Greenway. And my God, what a ginormous line that is. <laughs> uh, on average, they stand six foot five. And weight wise, they're looking at like just quick math here, they're looking at 215 pounds, 6, 5, 215 on average for that line. Just a three behemoths out there. Uh, definitely a line that 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 is difficult to contain. Um, Jordan Greenway may not the best offensive player, but can certainly help that line on the forecheck and, and allow Cousins and Tage to go to work. So it would be interesting to see if that line sticks together. Um, I know I woke up this morning to check the, the the box scores right away to see how long it lasted, and they stayed together the whole game. They didn't panic and put Tage back with the top line. They kept him with Cousins. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on into next week. And that could be something that even pushes. Uh, Cousins out there even further ahead of the rest of the field here. But again, 58% on chances are pretty slim. But like you said, you were one of those owners. It's definitely possible. Um, We'll skip over Cousins and uh, Quinn and Paterka for a moment. Because as we said, they're a lot less appealing playing on the third line with Tyson Jost as they are on the second line with Dylan Cousins. But Casey Middlestad with the line shuffling becomes interesting because now he's with Jeff Skinner and Alex Tuck. He is almost certainly not going to score you a goal. But he has 11 assists in his last... 10 games, only 14 shots on goal, playing 16-36 uh, time on ice. Could probably argue that that could go up a little bit now that he's kind of in this new role. They might lead on that top six a little bit heavier. Um, and, and oftentimes he was actually playing 16 minutes on like their third line. So uh, you could definitely see a little bump there for Middlestad. But again, not a guy that's going to score you a goal, most likely on the season he has just 10 in his career, just 43 in 272 games. Uh, but he did play 18 and a half minutes against the Red Wings last night, picked up two assists in his new role and did have three shots on goal. So maybe just playing with Skinner Tuck and playing 18 minutes is a, uh, a night is what he needs to unlock some shot volume and maybe some goal scoring.
3: Yeah, yeah. I You know, certainly, like you said, I wouldn't expect to get a whole a lot of goal production out of him. But uh, yeah, he's if he stays in this role, he's a great option to, if you're looking to add to your point totals, maybe pick up an assist. Uh, but yeah, obviously 1.4 shots a game is, is going to cap your upside. Quinn and, Pater- or, uh, yeah, Quinn
1: and Paterka, they've been solid. Quinn, 7 points in his last 12, 2 goals, 5 assists, 1.9 shots per game. Paterka, 10 points in his last 13, uh, 3 goals, 7 assists, 2.1 shots per game. But again, if they're on that third line, it, 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 it's it's risky. But you 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 know you, your hands could be tied. Um, but at this point, if this is if you could tell me that this is what the lineup is going to look like for all four games next week, I think I would probably turn my attention and try to find somebody on one of these teams that plays just three games next week. Then try yes. to force Paterka and Quinn into my lineup while playing on the third line. I just yeah. don't know how much upside they offer you in that role. If if you could say next week it's going to be four games with Tage Thompson back on the top line, Quinn Paterka and Cousins on the second line, then I'm instantly back in on them playing four games. But it, it, I don't know if I want to waste the ad. At least early in the week, I want to kind of wait and see how things take you know pan out for them.
3: Yeah. You're going to have to scout out your lineup, right? Like look and see what you actually have room for to add on your lineup on Monday and Tuesday. Cause like you said, good chance that your lineup isn't completely full, but you might not only be able to pick up a right winger or, or a blue liner right in, in those two days. Um, so you really just kind of scout it out and look and see how much extra games you're actually going to get out of these sabers. Cause if it's just the one game on Friday, you're probably better off as if you have the acquisitions. Like you're obviously better off making an ad earlier in the week, trying to get a, at least a Wednesday game in there. Um, and then doubling back on the Sabres for that game in Columbus on Friday. But uh, the other team that I I like and just want to mention real quick, and again, they're only playing three next week, but uh, again, depends on what you have room for. But playing Monday, Wednesday, Thursday are the Dallas Stars, and I just think the matchups are really nice. They're in Detroit on Monday and then in St. Louis on Wednesday, uh, back at home in St. Louis on Thursday. But obviously, Thursday, 15 games, you're not going to need to get extra games. But if you have room, utility spot – or obviously any other position on Monday, you're definitely going to be looking for spots on Wednesday. So you could potentially get a couple of games there out of just a single ad. Whereas with the Sabres, right? Like you'd be making the one ad and then really just waiting most likely uh, for Friday to come around, maybe getting a couple games Monday, Tuesday, but probably not that likely that you would, you know, have uh, room to spare on both of those days, right? There's probably one day that your lineup leans a little more heavily than the other, but the stars have some interesting options right now. Rupe hints currently out of the lineup moves Tyler Sagan up to the top line, moves our boy Wyatt Johnson up the pecking order a little bit. Um, so yeah, I think there's some really interesting options on Dallas as well. Uh, those would be obviously my top two picks right there. Um, Sagan is nice because he comes with the right wing eligibility. Uh, his ownership is up to 43 percent though so you know not as likely to be available again in shallower leagues 10 or 18 leagues he should definitely be there Uh, but yeah otherwise i think why johnson's a a really reasonable shout here we saw him heat up uh, in march where he scored in five straight games there's a whole lot of long-term potential here but again um, with hints out of the lineup johnson's still second line second power play unit but you know we're just a uh, maybe an injury or a rest game away for one of these older players maybe a Pavelski uh, where Wyatt could potentially get bumped up to the top line maybe move Sagan over the right wing so I think there's a lot of different scenarios where Johnson's ice time could get a nice uptick next week as they head into the playoffs uh, and he's clearly a kid with 21 goals on the year just 19 years old someone who's shown uh, he can produce when given the opportunity so he's one that I would be uh, keeping an eye on next week if the Sabres schedule doesn't really line up for you
1: yeah, and if um, you know if if you have a couple of extra additions, and maybe you want to try to get somebody that plays Wednesday, you want to go Monday, Wednesday, and then flip that over and try to get somebody that goes uh, Thursday, Friday. The teams that play Monday, Wednesday, you've got the Flames. They're obviously still out there fighting for their playoff lives. You know their um, entire roster is going to be playing in these games. So you have no issues adding. Uh, players from the flames right now they've got the predators on monday the sharks on wednesday uh, as you mentioned the dallas stars moving further down the list you've got the islanders they only play monday wednesday and then they wrap their season up they're obviously still trying to lock down a playoff spot they've got the capitals and the canadian so two pretty favorable matchups there for the islanders plenty of players available on that team the san jose sharks pretty uh you know much less desirable um at this point a lot of just inexperienced in their lineup but they do also play monday wednesday some tougher matchups in winnipeg and in calgary and then that is it for the monday wednesday schedule so um uh, yeah i agree i talked about dallas a little bit at the top i think those three matchups are really really nice i like them i could get behind uh some calgary flames and potentially some new york islanders as Mm -hmm. well if you've got enough matchup acquisitions to flip and, and try to just completely maximize your games this week
3: Definitely. Agreed. And yeah, there's a more likely than not uh, your league probably defaulted to giving you some extra acquisitions this week because if you are playing the, the week and a half period. So uh, yeah, I, I would agree. I think those are all decent options. And we've seen with the Islanders as well, right? Like even their some of their top tier talent finds their way onto the wire quite frequently. Anders Lee likes to bump around 50%. And again, push comes to shove would not be surprised if he hit the wire again in your league uh, the last couple of weeks. So he'd be a great option as well, given the schedule.
1: All right. So that is going to do it for our fantasy hockey advice for the 2023 season. It has been an absolute blast. Hopefully a lot of you are still listening because a lot of you are still in the finals. Uh, D, we had a good year from, from preseason to streamers to now. Uh, it's been fun. But let's shift our focus really quickly.
3: A
2: lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: From the fantasy hockey finals to the NHL Stanley cup finals. These are the odds presented to you by our friends at betway And I just want to talk about who you think. We talked about this, you and I, a couple of weeks ago, who the best value bet was. Obviously, since then, the landscape has shifted pretty drastically. And I want to just go back over who you think the best value bet is at the moment. So here are the odds. Again, courtesy of our friends at Betway. The Boston Bruins, still the Stanley Cup favorites, unsurprisingly, at plus 300. The former Stanley Cup champions, or the reigning Stanley Cup champions, Colorado Avalanche, at plus 550. The Carolina Hurricanes at number three at plus 800. The Edmonton Oilers plus 800. The Toronto Maple Leafs plus 900. The New Jersey Devils plus 1,000. The Rangers plus 1,100. The Golden Knights plus 1,100. The Stars plus 1,400. The Lightning plus 1,600. The Wild plus 1,800. The Kings plus 2,000. And the Seattle Kraken plus 2,500. So I will start... Um, last time we talked about this, I, I liked the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, I believe they were around plus 1200 at the time. They obviously dropped to plus 1600, so that wasn't the best pick at the time. Uh, we've also seen them, you know, yesterday. It looks like Tanner Geno could miss some time. Um, some serious injuries going down. They're kind of, you know, things are not going well for them at the moment. And as a Maple Leaf fan, you got to be uh fairly interested uh or excited i suppose obviously we never wish injuries on anybody but i mean at this time of year the red Leafs are just trying to get past the first round and you'll take anything you can get i'm sure but i'm looking at the edmonton oilers at plus 800 they've been fantastic in the last pretty much all season last two seasons they've been great in the regular season obviously the two best players in the world or among the two best players in the world And they just seem to have a much easier path out of the Western conference than even the Boston Bruins do in the East. As it stands right now, the Edmonton Oilers are probably going to get the LA Kings in the first round unless they can... uh, hop over the vegas golden knights for top in the pacific then they might land the jets or the kraken either way i feel very very comfortable uh about the the oilers at least getting out of the first round i think they can handle the kings they've been doing it recently in the regular season i don't think that any of those three matchups really presents a huge issue for them the golden knights i don't think are a huge issue for them either i think it's kind of a crash a collision course right now uh between the oilers and obviously one of those teams in the central um, the Avalanche be in the favor, but the stars are a pretty good hockey team. The wild have maintained pretty well without uh, Kirill Kaprizov, So they've got to be scaring some teams right now as well. But overall, the Western conference certainly seems like a much easier route to the finals. And I feel better betting against our betting on the, the, Edmonton Oilers at plus 800 to the same odds as the Carolina Hurricanes who look terrible without Andre Svechnikov. So just looking at it, I think at plus 800, the Oilers have a very easy path out of the Western Conference as long as they can get by the abs, obviously. Um, and, yeah, 800 with the two best players in the in the world, I'm down for that. I'll get down on the Oilers plus 800. How about you, D? Who are you looking at the best value bet right now?
3: I, I got a couple. I if I think if we're going a little bit deeper, I like the stars at plus fourteen hundred. I, yeah. I don't think there's a whole lot separating them and the Avalanche. Um and I just think there are those two teams are a little bit more complete teams than the Oilers. Obviously, you know, going seven games against McDavid uh right now is is not an easy assignment and it's gonna be difficult for anyone. But I do think um that we really just kind of similar to the Avalanche, really haven't seen the best version of the stars yet. I they kinda just don't feel like they're quite the sum of their uh, the hole yet so I, I I would think that uh, or the some of their parts excuse me but yeah so I, I think they're a decent value bet the problem is they're almost certainly going to have to play Colorado who they've only beaten once in five games this season so uh, the matchup itself is the biggest sticking point for me because yeah it seems like Colorado uh, is going to have the advantage there but uh, still a small chance that Dallas reclaims that central division crown um, which would make things a whole lot easier and give them at the very least give them that home ice advantage playing against the avalanche and. perspective second round so i I do think the stars are yeah again it's going to be a a tougher road just because more than likely not they're going to have to uh win a series uh with the Avalanche against the avalanche with the avs having home ice advantage but i do think at plus 1400 uh that's just a really big uh jump for me because i I personally like i said i think they're the, the second best team overall in the west right now and again uh I certainly understand if, it, if, you know, if you're a fan of a Western Conference team and you'd feel a lot better facing off against the Stars than the likes of the Avalanche. But I just think when you look at all four lines, they're uh, a very deep blue line as well. Obviously, Ottinger uh, is a, a very reliable in goal. So I think they're a really solid bet coming out of the West, which I agree is just a much easier path. The other one I think is the Devils. Um, just really doesn't make a whole lot of sense because I agree with you that uh, the Hurricanes aren't looking like themselves right now. Uh, And the Devils at plus 1,000 where the Hurricanes are are plus 800. Um, The Hurricanes do have a game in hand, but the Devils still just one game back. So you're basically placing a bet right now that they're going to be able to leapfrog the Canes going into um, the end of the season here, which would just make their run so much easier, right? Like These division winners in the East, it's such a big swing, right? You're talking about playing a team like the Rangers in the Metropolitan Division or a team obviously like the Lightning or the Leafs in the Atlantic Division. Uh, versus the likes of these wildcard teams the panthers the islanders clearly just nowhere near um, uh, the caliber of these other uh, these other top six teams in the east so there's a huge drop off here winning winning that metro division is going to be massive Um, and yeah I just think the devils could give the Bruins or whoever makes it out of the Atlantic a really steep run for their money I, I still don't think the Bruins are as great as their record shows Uh, they're fantastic, but they've gotten 935 goaltending all season long. Yes, I know that their system has a little bit to do with that. uh, But yeah, at the same time, I I think their record is pretty heavily inflated by the goaltending they've gotten in a season where every other team is lucky to get a 905 out of their starting goalie. They're just Again, getting a really like an extra five or six saves a game, uh, it, it's just massive. So uh, it essentially has worked out to one goal less a game, just straight up uh, their goaltending difference. So that's just something that's going to be really hard to continue into the playoffs. So I'm not going anywhere near the Bruins. I don't think anyone is like plus three hundred. That's just ridiculous when you think they're going to have to win three very difficult series to win the Stanley Cup, right? Like, going to have to beat one of the Lightning and lease They're going to have to beat whoever comes out of the Metro, either the Devils. Uh, hurricanes or rangers obviously not expecting one of the wildcard teams to get there um so yeah while they've got uh, a pretty easy first round matchup and should waltz right into the second round like i said i think they're gonna have to win three coin flips basically um to to win the cup so to me a plus 300 there's just no value there uh so yeah i think in the west i think the stars are a nice little uh value piece if you're looking for a bit of a dark horse, uh and then the devils as well because like i said if if they end up taking that division those odds are going to uh, climb down to around plus 700 plus 800 where the hurricanes are at right now. So, uh, just depends how you're feeling about the rest of the rest of the season and how that's going to play out for the devils and the, uh, and the canes. But yeah, the devil's uh pretty manageable schedule the rest of the way. Obviously they have Boston this weekend. Um, again, potential that Boston rests some players, even in the front end of that back to back, but heading into next week, they then just have the sabers and the Capitals. So two super winnable games for them. Uh, we talked about the struggles that the hurricanes have going on right now. So, uh, for me, easy to, easy to imagine the devils leapfrogging the hurricanes and just getting that much easier path. And really at that point, it's just all about if they can get past the Bruins. So,
1: yeah, I actually really like the devil's pick as well. Plus a uh, plus 1,000. And it's worth mentioning that 2021 fourth overall pick Luke Hughes, um, the Michigan Wolverines were eliminated. His season ended with them and he is expected to join the devils immediately. Unclear when he's going to make his a season debut but he should instantly provide a boost to that blue line in New Jersey um, that kind of has seemed to be missing a, a sixth piece all season and Luke Hughes seems to be a guy that could probably fit in there and make a difference right away the only concern I have with the Devils is, is obviously the goaltending has not been quite as sharp here in the second half as a season as it was early but you're right you know if you can give me the Islanders or the Panthers as opposed to the um the rangers i feel much more comfortable about their potential making it into the second round and the stars i 100 agree that's a team that i like a lot and if you can get them to get up to first place in their division they're a very good home ice team if it comes down to a meeting with the avalanche they won't have to go play at altitude that one extra game that could be the difference in, in in them and if they end up winning that division you're right like their odds same thing as the devils are going to change pretty drastically as well so uh love those value picks get some money down At Betway, but that is going to do it for Season 8, Episode 37 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast, presented to you by our friends at Betway. We will be back next week with some fun. We're going to give out our fantasy awards. We're going to talk about some bounce-back candidates for next season, talk about some keeper league players uh, that you should try to add before uh, you can't add anybody else. Um, And, yeah, take a look at the fantasy hockey playoffs. So, I guess the playoffs fantasy hop. whatever sure you know what i'm saying cheers yeah. we'll see you guys back here next week peace